Hello and welcome to another episode of the Monday Night Wars. It is October 30th, 1995. We are live as always with WCW Nitro from the Hara Arena in Dayton, Ohio. I don't know if I said that right, but I don't care. Anyways, Joseph, how are you doing? I'm good, man. You always bring so much energy in the intro. I got to you know, I got to keep it. I got to keep it up. I got to keep the tempo up because, uh, you know, we're as, as I think we mentioned on our previous podcast, we're kind of on the downslope for WCW for a while. So, you know, I got to I got to get the people pumped for for us some disappointing, some disappointing action. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I will say in the in the coming weeks, because I've, I've done a bit of notes ahead, there's some surprisingly decent stuff. So I, I don't think it's gonna be as bad as we think it is. I think it's just the main storylines that are going to be bad. Well, let's get into those storylines because we start with the commentary table and Mongo's dog is dressed like a witch, Joseph. It's beautiful. It gets an A plus from me. I mean, it's it's Halloween themed. It makes perfect sense. I love it. It's perfect. It's perfect. But what else we find out of the commentary table is that the macho man Randy Savage is hurt and Eddie is replacing him in the first match. The reality is he's actually been hurt for several weeks. His arm is legitimately hurt. And I guess they finally realize that this is a problem. Maybe because he finished his feud at Halloween Havoc the prior night, we can rest him for a bit. But yeah, he's been he's been wrestling hurt for quite a while. Yeah, I don't know if I would say that that he they finished the feud because Lex and him kind of reignited it with the whole Dungeon of Doom thing. I do think it's a good idea to have him rest regardless because at the end of that pay per view, obviously Hogan and Macho Man ended up getting the crap beaten out of them. So there's there's a legit story reason why you could have him rest for a bit. Yeah, I guess I should say the feud isn't finished, but there's kind of a pause. We're in the, we're in a new phase of the feud. And you're right. They did get the the beat down of their life. The Yete killed Hogan for are we on our third Hogan death now? It seems on WCW. Uh, it, and they're, they're getting better each time because this time he got humped into submission. So he got dry humped to death. Snooze snooze to death is what happened to our our poor Hulkster. I had snoo snoo. It's it's a tragedy. But what's not a tragedy is we got an Eddie Guerrero match because we like us some Eddie Guerrero. But it's an Eddie Guerrero match with Sergeant Craig Pittman. Eddie wins. He defeats Sergeant Craig Pittman. Uh, it seems that the, the commentary table is kind of shocked by this, even though Sergeant Craig Pittman's been losing recently. I guess for a while they kind of build him as this unstoppable killer Marine guy. But he's been losing lately. So it's not. I don't feel like it's that much of a shock. The match is five minutes, 34 seconds. What are your thoughts, Joseph? There's not much to say about the match in general. This match, it's pretty simple. I think Eddie makes, I think he makes Craig Pittman look very good. I think it's pretty interesting that Eddie, when he comes out, he doesn't actually have the music that will eventually become synonymous with Eddie Guerrero kind of moving forward. He's going to have a different music. I know that in WWF, he's got a lot of notable theme songs. WCW, most of their theme songs ended up being music that they had that was available to him most free. But he does a good job in this. Craig Pittman, I think from a wrestling standpoint, obviously not the strongest wrestler in the world, but he does enough to keep up with Eddie. I'd give this a B minus. It's nothing amazing, but Eddie definitely elevates Craig Pittman to probably a level that we haven't seen before and may never see again. I don't think it's a great match. I think, as you're right, it's Eddie Guerrero, though, so he certainly elevates it. As far as it goes, it's just Eddie, kind of. Yeah, I, I guess you're right. Craig Pittman does hold his own for the most part, and it is kind of a, a clash of styles, which is can be an interesting type of match. You know, Eddie's the, 
faster kind of high flyer. I'm not I'm not big on Sergeant Craig Pittman. I never have been. I don't think it's a great character. Eddie, of course, is Eddie. You can't you can't fault Eddie. So one half of the match was good, but it is what it is. And you can't and you can't fault Eddie Guerrero because he's great and he's always great. He always puts on a great match. After that, though, we see a replay from September 11th where the shark falls on top of Scott Norton and Macho Man Randy Savage gets a pin. Mind you, this is six, seven weeks ago. But for some reason, I guess Scott Norton just found out that the shark cost him the win because now they're feuding. And we have a Scott Norton versus shark match, Joseph. We start the match of note. Heenan is not at the commentary table. We see him sitting with a Japanese wrestling promoter, Sonny Ono, and they're eating sushi. This seems suspicious overall the match is two big dudes flapping meat it ends in a double count out and they just continue to brawl joseph what are your thoughts i think unfortunately you kind of mentioned everything there's not really too much to go into i do think both of these men are very underrated i think it's a shame that they haven't really spent the time on this storyline i think it's a very fun or could have been rather a very fun undercard storyline unfortunately they don't do much with it it. I think there's a way to create a draw that's interesting. I don't think this really did it. Both men are counted out. Like you said, it's okay. I think the in-ring action up until that point is pretty decent. I gave it a C plus overall. I can't really grade it any higher than that as much as I enjoy John Tenta, aka Shark and Scott Norton. I really, really, really enjoy them. But there's really nothing here that gets me going. It's not very interesting. The most notable thing is really what's going on outside of the ring, which is the Bobby Heenan stuff. It's going to take weeks for that to really come to fruition. And right now, it's not doing anything. I think it's fine to have it, but I think you sacrificed what little storyline you had in this match. So overall, it's just not great. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Scott Norton and The Shark are two wrestlers that we really like. They're kind of classic big dudes as i said just slapping meat wrestlers just classic just classic kind of wrestling for for that purpose i thought that they were fine they they did their jobs they they wrestled a good match they slapped meat they kept it they they're still fighting to this day some say but the story just is weird i i really think that they just needed to fill a card tonight and for some reason they decided to restart this feud because it just it doesn't make sense. It, that match happened on September 11th. Nothing more came of it. It just was completely dropped. And then what, last week? Was it maybe it was even on Halloween Havoc that it started? I, I can't remember. It was either last week on Nitro or even maybe as recently as Halloween Havoc. These dudes have reignited the fight. I, I mean, I guess it does make sense. Scott Norton's mad about losing, but six weeks ago, it just, it just kind of spoils the whole thing. And you're right. I think the, uh, the Sonny Ono, Bobby Heenan angle could be good, but it's it's being handled very weirdly. I mean, it's it's obviously they, they want to create a mystery. What's going on? What what are these two doing together? At, at some point, I'm not sure if it happened at this segment or later in the night, but Bobby Heenan takes some money from Sonny Ono. There's clearly a deal being struck here. And Bobby Heenan's the bad guy. So it can't he's you know he's the heel commentator, so it can't be good. But overall it's kind of meh. And as you said, that's kind of the whole night looking through my notes. All the matches pretty straightforward, both on WCW and WWF. It's just a pretty straightforward night. But on that note, let's keep moving forward. What a segue that was, Joseph. That was beautiful. Because we've got 
the horsemen out, the four horsemen, although there's only three, Joseph, there's only three horsemen. Pillman talks about how they are getting close to the horsemen coming back, but there are only three. They need a fourth. Good guy Arn says that Sting, he didn't have any, he doesn't have anything to be ashamed of. He survived two horsemen for 10 minutes. He is a good wrestler. Man, good, good guy Arn there, you know, giving, giving, giving Sting a pep talk. And then we got Ric Flair. And Ric Flair runs wild and tells us he wants Sting on Nitro next week. What do you think, Joseph? I think overall this is fun. It gets a B from me. It's not the best thing I've ever seen from the Four Horsemen, especially Arn Anderson and Ric Flair. You you kind of, it sounded like potentially you were joking a little bit about Arn being a good guy, but I actually really thoroughly enjoyed his part of the promo. I think kind of to your point, that was a really good way of putting over the enemy in, in regards or the, the person that you're feuding with. I think we talked about this in, in, in our podcast for Halloween havoc, which you can find on Patreon. There really is about 10 minutes of sting versus both men. And we, we remarked on how impressive it is what he's doing in the ring and selling this. Can I get flair in? Can I get flair in? Can I get flair in? I think Arn putting it over really was a very good call in this promo. It made me enjoy it a lot. Flair killed it. They talk about how there's going to soon be a fourth member. I think that's interesting. It builds some intrigue for the future. Overall, I enjoyed it. It gets a B for me. Yeah, I, I was joking when I said good guy Arn because obviously he's a heel, but I kind of at the same time meant it. You know, I, I think everyone in this promo played their part. Pillman's kind of a wild man. He's a loose cannon. He, he's just he's kind of just off the rails. Arn is even though he's a bad guy, he's kind of the kind of the elder statesman. Yeah, he's just. He's always kind of been like this, even when he was feuding with Flair, right? And I, and I, in that he was also the heel. It was just about how Flair had kind of lost his way, and he needed to he needed to get it back, and he needed to prove himself. And Arn was going to put him through the paces and get him back to to Horseman excellence. Arn's just always kind of been a, just a fighter, and I think he respects fighters, and that's his and that's his thing, right? Arn game recognized game, and Arn thought Sting was looking familiar. Flair is. Obviously, also Ric Flair. He's he's doing what Ric Flair does best, just doing a bump of coke and then going out and giving a fire promo. Allegedly doing a bump of coke. Do not sue us, Ric Flair. That's it. They want they want him. Flair wants Sting, but will he get Sting? Because next week, Joseph WCW is going to be interactive, where the folks, the 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 fans are going to get to pick. From two groups of wrestlers, and they get to pick the matches. What do you think about this? I don't think that that has ever happened ever in the history of wrestling. WCW isn't the only company that has done this or will do this. I don't think you can make that happen because you obviously have storylines that you're trying to progress. So I think it's cool. I, I think if you're a kid, to be like, oh man, I really have a say in this, but obviously as an adult, you're like, no, you don't. You really don't. So it's fine. It, it it's whatever. So you're thinking this is going to be like the uh the OJ Simpson verdict uh phone poll on WWF Raw. You know, you don't think it's on on the level. You don't think they're on the up and up here. No, because when we get to it, there's definitely a match that no one in the history of ever would have requested. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Maybe the people really want it. But we'll get there. In the meantime, though, Bobby Heenan's back at the commentary table. 
And he's given us a lot of good information about the Braves uh, winning the World Series. The Olympics are apparently coming up. And Joseph, we got Disco Inferno. Let's get into it, Joseph, because we got Sabu. We got Disco Inferno, the dancing machine himself. And what happens? Sabu whoops his ass almost the entirety of the match. It's a fairly short match. It's two minutes and 22 seconds. We get a Sabu chant from the audience. This must be an ECW town. And we also have one of our favorite indestructible WCW tables. Break it down for me, Joseph. There's not much to go over than than you just did. Overall, I don't like this. It gets a D from me. It's not just because Disco Inferno is there. There's so much that doesn't make sense in this match. First off, Disco has Pyro, which is very confusing. You would assume that Pyro should be reserved for the the people who are your biggest players. The other part of it is who is the heel in this match? Disco has been kind of a nuisance to just about everybody since he's been in, which I think is fine. That is the character, but that's a heel character. Sabu the night before literally had his manager shoot a fireball into the eyes of Mr. JL. That's a heel move. So who's the bad guy in this? They don't, it doesn't really make any sense. On top of that, we talked about this in the Halloween Havoc episode where Sabu just doesn't fit into WCW. It doesn't work. The contrast between him and Disco Inferno alone, it doesn't really work. It doesn't fit. I don't really understand why this match is here. I think you had plenty of other storylines or wrestlers that you could have filled into this match or potentially made a... Let's give Sabu some character because you're clearly pushing Sabu, and I think you should. I think you absolutely can. But give us some character development that really tells us who Sabu is instead of just the guy who puts people through tables, or rather the guy who slams onto people onto tables, but those tables don't break because in WCW, tables don't break. Yeah, the whole thing is weird. I believe this is Disco's first, at least, television match. You know, first match on TV. As you said, he gets pyro. We've made much ado about him over the course of several weeks, being a nuisance, dancing, dancing in front of everybody, dan- you know, uh, just being annoying. That's that's the character is being annoying because everyone hates disco. That's, I guess, the thing, right? That's the joke. But then in his first match, you get him just wrecked by Sabu. And I get why Sabu has to win because they're they're pushing Sabu. They're pushing him as this wild man who just destroys people because he's he's high flying and he's crazy and he's hardcore and kind of all of that. but. You go to all this trouble for Disco Inferno, you give him pyro, and then he gets beaten two and a half minutes. Kind of crazy to me. I don't know. It, 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 you're right. It, the match doesn't make sense. I don't get it from a story perspective. As far as I can remember, it doesn't advance a story of any kind beyond Disco Inferno sucks and look at him just look at him just getting his ass beat. Ha ha ha. That's pretty much it. But that's not it for the night, Joseph, because we have another match. We have the main event. We have Lex Luger and Ming with Jimmy Hart and the Taskmaster because they're all evil now versus the American males, Marcus Alexander Bagwell and Scotty Riggs. It's a seven minute match. Lex Luger and Ming defeat the American males. Of note is after the match, they make us rewatch the end of Halloween Havoc's main event. And overall, it's just Not great. What do you think, Joseph? I think, unfortunately, this is kind of a glorified squash match. I'm giving it a C plus because I think every single person who's in the ring is trying to make this work. The crowd is incredibly incensed by the outcome. 
They're clearly behind the American males, which I think is interesting because the American males have gotten very little screen time, at least on Nitro. I'm sure on Saturday nights, they've probably gotten more screen time. Overall, the match just kind of exists. Really what the point of this match is, is to say Lex Luger and Meng are kind of this powerhouse duo almost like the dungeon of doom already had the giant they already had ming now you've added lex luger who's this notoriously strong man how could you possibly overcome these odds that's that's the point of what they're doing here so it does semi-progress a story i guess they're trying to build how powerful dungeon of doom is just overall i'm not overly fond of it i really enjoy the american males i which i think i'm surprised to say because initially when we started watching i wasn't super fond of them but i've kind of grown to appreciate them especially as they're a tag team and wcw has tag teams and wwf doesn't so just seeing tag teams makes me appreciate them all that much more this doesn't do much Overall, the night in general, and this is a repeating pattern through this episode, it's just kind of meh. Everything just doesn't really move. It doesn't really go anywhere. It's- and here I thought I was going to say something controversial when I when I was going to say that I actually like the American males too. I think they're a pretty good tag team. And, and you're right. WCW has tag teams, so it's refreshing. They wear similar outfits. They have moves that they do together. They have tag team moves. It's nice. We like tag teams. They're fun to watch. And WCW has them. WCW already has a tag team that's very good with Ming in it, right? With the Barbarian, Faces of Fear. So I don't know why we needed to have Lex Luger and Ming wrestle a tag team match. We could have just had... The faces of fear do it. And I and I get it. You know, as you I said, got, I, I gotta get cut it. you off there. I'm not a hundred percent positive that barbarians in the company at this point. Well, we'll look it up. We'll look it up. I'll find out. I'm gonna take a pause for station identification while I prove Joseph's ass wrong, ladies and gentlemen. So give me one second here. And then we'll just cut this and you won't even know. But that's fine. Joseph, tell me he ain't even in this thing. We'll see about that, Joseph. We will see about that. I mean, we haven't seen him yet. So, you know, I'm looking it up here and I don't think we need to talk about this anymore. Let's move on <laughs> to uh, no, he doesn't. He doesn't come back. He was in WCW. He left and he comes back in 1996, actually. So I'm that's upset so, now. That's so big on Mike. We've got that you were wrong. I mean, I, I'm going to cut all of this. Well, you're not because I'm editing this one. Well, I'm going to edit it now. I've changed my mind. Got you. No, it's fine. Yeah. So apparently Ming isn't here yet or uh, Barbarian isn't here yet. So I guess it makes sense that we've got Lex. So I, I take back everything I just said. I guess it makes sense that Lex Luger and Ming are a tag team because without Faces of Fear, I guess Dungeon Doom doesn't really have a tag team, right? I do have to let the audience here know, you know, all 10 of the audience that which is higher, by the way, than it has been. It's We're growing. growing. We're growing. Scott is so in love with the faces of fear. And I think deservedly. So he's just amped for barbarian to show up. They're a good tag team. And WCW is wrong to treat them the way they do. You got to keep listening folks. Cause you'll get to hear me rant about it for, for months, years on end once barbarian gets here. But yeah, as, as I mentioned, uh, that's pretty much it. Like I said, it, the, all the matches are pretty straightforward tonight. Again, they they made us rewatch the end of Halloween Havoc's main event where the Giant and the Yete, as Eric Bischoff likes to call it, give Hulk Hogan a double team dry hump from either side. He's getting it 
in all the orifices, ladies and gentlemen. I, I guess he's dead. I don't know. And then, you know, Randy Savage uh, gets gets whooped. It's just it's just bad. It's just all around bad. It's it's another low point for Team Hogan, which kind of seems to keep happening. This seems like this is how every single pay-per-view ends now, where Dungeon of Doom defeats Team Hogan. They're they're left splayed out on in the ring, and it's just a tragedy. And where will it go? Well, we have Tony Schiavone in the ring with Jimmy Hart, with the Taskmaster, with Lex Luger. And now we're joined by Giant. The Giant has the title. He has Hulk Hogan's title. We're, despite him having it, we're not sure he actually has it. It He's he's stolen to the, the title is what it seems to be. Although we're unclear about that. They've kind of been ambiguous about whether or not he is the actual title holder or not. There's a line that Jimmy Hart says, I know you're going to love Joseph. Jimmy says that he was the evil in Hogan's heart. Luger says he liked seeing Hogan and Savage splayed out there, which uh, which in the Taskmaster uh, lays on the mat and starts like shaking like having a seizure or something making fun of savage and hogan giant says he'll defend the title and taskmaster says that everyone hates hogan how do you feel about this joseph i don't really like it i'm giving it a c because it continues the storyline and that is a huge a huge plus for me it's really important for me on tv that you're continuing storylines at least in the sense of your main storylines overall i'm not a i'm not fond of what i'm watching I think by this point, Dungeon of Doom to me has overstayed their welcome. Also, the Yete isn't even around. That's done. They clearly realize they made a mistake and it's gone. And then Jimmy he does Hart, come back. He does come back, but not yet. And we'll talk about it when he does. Jimmy Hart doesn't add anything to this dynamic. I understand the point of it. I, I ranted about this in the Halloween Havoc episode. I'm not going to go too far into it. I understand the point. I don't really enjoy it. Unfortunately, what I thought was a very good storyline of, or an interesting storyline at least, of Lex Luger. Is he or is he not part of the Dungeon of Doom for, for weeks? I thought that storyline was fun. This is the payoff. This is it. And it's kind of it kind of goes out in a whimper, which is really depressing. Because I think Lex Luger probably did the best work I've seen from him in a long time during this storyline. And unfortunately, it just kind of falls flat. So overall, I'm not overly into this. It's going to get better in a lot of ways for WCW. So unfortunately, this is just kind of a down note and we just have to deal with it until it gets better. I completely agree. The whole night was a pretty big letdown, in my opinion. Although, as I've, I've said, this is kind of a low point for WCW. It is what it is. You know, I, you're right. Lex Luger selling the hell out of stuff. You know, I, I got to give the I got to give the dude credit for that. But it is what it is. I'm, I'm tired of the Dungeon of Doom. We gave I, I feel like we gave the Dungeon of Doom a lot of runway through this podcast where we've been. You know, I don't I wouldn't say we necessarily liked them, but we understood their purpose. We understood their point. They were doing what they needed to do. And it was fine. It was furthering stories. It wasn't too much. Now it's too much. And, you know, and again, it should be mentioned that the Taskmaster, Kevin Sullivan, is the booker. He's booking his guys to the moon and it just goes too far. You know, Eric Bischoff has said uh, numerous times that he hated the Dungeon of Doom. It was, it was awful. I, I think maybe that's just kind of 2020 hindsight. They weren't that bad, but someone should have known when enough was enough. And they clearly don't know that. And, and as we go on, they'll clearly show that they don't know enough is enough because they because even after NWO shows up, they still keep trying to kind of push Dungeon of Doom. And it's just like, just stop. Be done with it. It's over. 
And but it's not over yet. We got not a great night for WCW, but the night isn't over for us because we've got WWF Raw again from the Keystone Center in Brandon, Manitoba, Canada. Joseph, there's a jack-o'-lantern WWF graphic. Todd Pettingill is doing a spooky voice on the intro. Lawler is dressed up as a surgeon. McMahon is dressed up like a prison inmate. Lawler says, quote, I heard you got that outfit a year ago. I'm surprised he still works for the company after that. He then uses the stethoscope to determine that McMahon is heartless. What'd you think about this, Joseph? I thought it was hilarious that Vince has his suit on underneath his costume. That's probably the only note I have on this. Well, I want to go into the the Lawler quote. I heard you got that outfit a year ago because I think it's related to the steroid scandal. And I'm kind of surprised that Vince let that one slide. I guess maybe Vince changes or you know, maybe this isn't the Vince we know and love. I, I say love jokingly, but I thought that was wild that Lawler got away with that. I'm sure Vince, if anything, probably fed that to him almost because Vince really looked at that scandal post scandal as I beat the government to my understanding, to be clear that that is speculation. That's what it seems like. He was charged in 92, I believe is when that happened and then acquitted of those charges on in 94. So that would, that would kind of make sense timeline wise. So there you have it. And we've got a theme and you know that I like me some themes. First match of the night is Goldust and Savio Vega. During the match, Lawler makes a lot of movie references, says Goldust should be in a horror movie. Vince calls him a, quote, masculine RuPaul. Goldust defeats Savio Vega in a five-minute, 46-second match. Tell me more, Joseph. First off, Goldust's 24 carats are showing. As always. That being said, I think Savio Vega is a very good first opponent, at least first TV opponent for Goldust. I think the match is fine. I think Savio Vega does a very good job. I think Goldust does a very good job. They're both very competent wrestlers. They're both fun to watch. It's a great opener for your show. I think this, if this sets the tempo for the rest of the night, that's a really good tempo to set. It gets a B plus for me. I agree. First match was was good. You know, I, we like Goldust, obviously, and Goldust gets so much better as we go on, but he's still pretty much Goldust. And we like Savio Vega. We think he's a good wrestler. This is another guy that we wish they had done a little bit more with. It kind of figured the character out because I think he's a good wrestler. I think he wrestles well. And so Goldust and Savio Vega together in the first match of the night, pretty good match. Have no complaints. WWF's off to a good start, in my opinion. We got a theme. They're really leaning into Halloween which I love. It's also kind of funny considering that this was probably taped two weeks ago. So that must the fans must have been confused. I mean, I guess it's still October, so maybe they're like a Halloween, but it's like two weeks ago when you're in costumes. What? It works for, for the purposes of television, and I like it. After that, though, we got Milton Bradley Karate Fighters, Joseph. Very exciting. And they are sponsoring Doc Hendricks. And Doc Hendricks looking like a pumpkin. This theme is going throughout the night. We got a Survivor Series update. Check this out, Joseph. I need you to check this out. It is big. WWF championship match between Bret Hart and Diesel. But there will be no countouts or disqualifications and no time limit. What say you about that? I'll be watching it on the video scope. Yeah. 
I think it was fantastic. I enjoyed this. There's nothing I could really give a grade for. Doc Hendricks, I love that he's in a jack-o'-lantern face paint. It's so difficult to look at, and it makes me laugh. When we started watching all this, you you know how I felt about Doc Hendricks. I have somehow become the biggest Doc Hendricks fan. I don't know how that happened. I I, I almost feel dirty to say it. I enjoy it. I think the announcement is good. That's the point of this segment, right? The point of the segment is just to give the announcements for Survivor Series. WWF, I think, does a much cleaner job. I wouldn't say a better job because I think WCW announces what their matches are going to be for the pay-per-views pretty well, too. But WWF is very clean in their segments for a pay-per-view announcement. Here's the break. Here's the announcement. Here's the next segment. And I really enjoy that. It's just bam, bam, bam. So we had the match. Now here's the the quick break where we're going to announce what the actual matches are going to be for Survivor Series, or at least in this case, what the stipulation for this particular match is going to be. Now we're moving on to the next segment. It's quick. They get in, they get out. I enjoy it. Yeah, you're right. The, The Doc Hendricks pumpkin face paint is bad. It's not well done. And that's what makes it so much better. It's just so good. Yeah, yeah. It's so good because he clearly... He probably showed up and Vince said, we're doing costumes tonight. And like, what? And so just put whatever he could do, you know, and you're going to be a pumpkin pal. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Just how like simple it is and how he probably had to put it on really quick. And it's just it's great. You're 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 right about WWF and their main or their pay-per-views. We've said this many times. I think, yeah, they both hype their pay-per-views. But as you and I have noted, when WWF hypes a promo, we get every, we get the who, what, when, where, why, and how, right? We know everything. We know what day it's going to be, where it's going to be, who's going to be in it, why they're feuding, all that kind of stuff. We've often found ourselves through our watch parties with WCW going, oh, shit, is the pay-per-view next? Is that the next thing? And we have to actually like go look up the date of the pay-per-view, check the calendar, you know, just to make sure we don't miss it. With WWF, we never miss it. We know exactly when it's gonna be. And for that, you're right. WWF does it so much do, does do it so much better. Next, though, we go to the locker room. In fact, Doc Hendricks kind of gets interrupted because we have to go to the locker room. And it's one, two, three kid and Razor Ramon, and we are arguing. This you I, I imagine you probably don't have much to say about this, Joseph, because I think it's all of like three seconds. They're arguing we cut to commercial, but do you have any thoughts? I do not. All right, then let's move on. We come back from commercial and we got Barry Horowitz and we got Hakushi. They're they're comparing American and Japanese pop culture. Hakushi then suggests they settle their differences with Joseph. Milton Bradley's karate fighters. Horowitz wins. He's very proud of himself, but Hakushi wants to go two for three. What do you think? I actually love, and it, it it's really, really dumb, but I love how they're incorporating Milton Bradley's Karate Fighters into these segments. And it's going to continue for a few weeks, and it's ridiculous every time, and I enjoy it. It is obscene product placement, but I actually really enjoy it. It's just, it's very 90s in what they're doing, you know, with this product placement. And, and, and I think it's fun. Like, I could see where it would turn people off. Because it's just it's just so overt and in your face and ridiculous. But and maybe I wouldn't have liked it back then. You know, I was a kid, so maybe I probably would have like, oh, these are so cool. I got to have them. But if I was maybe a little bit older, a little bit wiser watching it for the first time in 1995, I might have been like, oh, this is just such obscene product placement. But in hindsight, watching now, 
it just it makes me almost kind of nostalgic for product placement back in the day where it wasn't where it wasn't like hidden or secret it was like here it is and i i I enjoyed it it makes me feel a little warm and fuzzy inside for some reason i don't know it's weird i don't i don't want to get on too much of a rant on this but i rant away (laughs) but i think that this is a marketing tool this company is sponsoring your pay-per-view or your show or whatever it's fine there, there's even been things recently in AEW that they've gotten criticized for where it was overt product placement. And as much as it's a little bit cringy, and this is definitely on the cringy scale for sure, someone's paying you money to advertise their product, figure out how to do it and get it on TV. And I'm okay with that. And if people, mostly people who are, you know, neckbeards are going to throw a fit about it, don't write who it cares? It, it's fine. It's just, you're, you're just advertising. There's nothing wrong with it. And WWE still does this to the, to this day. They still do it with a lot of, a lot of new day segments are these advertisements where here's the product. And then new day comes in because they're very, very family friendly and easy to kind of laugh at and kids love them. And honestly, adults love them too. And you can have this be very seamless with them. And it doesn't feel like you're wasting everybody's time with it. It's fine. After that, though, we got another match. We got Marty Jannetty versus Joe Dorgan. Of note in this match, and I'm sure Joseph's going to have a lot to say about this. Oh, God, Uh, did you write this down, too? We got Jerry Lawler, who talks about the horse that won the Breeders' Cup looking like a Lundra Blaze. Other than that, again, pretty straightforward match. It's two minutes, 44 seconds. Joseph, shoot on Jerry Lawler. Well, first, I'm going to talk about the match. The match is fine. It's it's a squash match. I give it a C minus because it doesn't do anything for anybody. It really doesn't even do anything for Marty Jannetty. Jerry Lawler is a complete asshole. Fuck so you, na- Jerry Lawler. <laughs> it's ridiculous. There's literally no point for that comment. She's not even in the ring. There's no point for that comment. I'm moving on. It was bad. Yeah, it, it was really bad. I was like, oh, my God. God, why? Like, what does this have to do with anything? Did they not like each other in real life? Like, I don't understand what I know she does not. She absolutely despises him. Well, I can see why. Yeah, if you read her book, she she doesn't go into too many details, but she does give enough information. And I do appreciate that in her book. If she doesn't like somebody, and it's a very good book. If you haven't read it, if you're one of our 10 listeners, it's very good. If she has a problem with somebody, she will give a recount of what she knows. And oftentimes, sometimes if there's a situation where maybe a person was in a bad place at the time, she'll give them the benefit of the doubt of that as well. With Jerry the King Lawler, I don't think he was in a bad place at the time. I think he's just a pig. And it's very clear why she doesn't like him. And when you're watching these episodes, it's very clear why you would not like someone who's saying this stuff about you constantly. Yeah, if she didn't like him before this... Or if she liked him before this, I certainly wouldn't like him now. I mean, why? This serves no purpose. Yeah, I guess they must not like each other. Because I I don't understand why else you would say anything about her. And especially, can I speculate? You know what? We don't do that here. But go ahead. She. So I'm going to assume he wanted to get in her pants, and she said no. And like most guys do, when a woman says no, all of a sudden they're a bitch. So I'm going to assume that's what happened. That's just pure speculation. That's speculation. We have no proof of this. Please do not sue us, Jerry the King Lawler. Say something nice so maybe he'll be like, oh, okay, I won't sue them now. In in ring, he's got a great pile driver. 
Oh, he has one of the best pile drivers in the game. I love his pile driver. I love a good pile driver, even though it is so dangerous and people shouldn't do it. But he does a great one. After that, though, we have we have a, we have some video of Bret Hart and Hakushi versus Jerry Lawler and Isaac Yankum because what do they keep doing to Bret Hart? My God, like like I said, you and I aren't huge Bret guys, but I think you and I are both at this point like, dude, what are you doing to Bret? Give him some good matches. Give him a good story. What is going on here? It's a, yeah. it's a problem. It's a problem. After that, though, we got Cam Cornette and Jim Cornette is not happy about In Your House. And he thinks Gorilla Monsoon's made it even worse. British Bulldog beat Diesel by DQ. They, they don't seem to understand the distinction there. And thinks he should be facing, British Bulldog should be facing Bret Hart. Bulldog wants another rematch with Diesel. And he wants to face Bret Hart at In Your House in December. After that, Cornette introduces Clarence Mason. And Mason threatens legal action against Gorilla Monsoon. McMahon talks about Bulldog's match with Marty Jannetty next week. And on cue, we got Marty Jannetty who does a run in and clears them out. Tell me more about this, Joseph. I, I have very few notes here, but I really enjoyed this segment. I think every single week that they've had, that they've given Jim Cornette the mic, it's been fun. I actually have a note here that says Cornette is speaking Scott's language because I knew you would like this. Just listening to him go. He, and he goes on for a while and he does a very good job. I really wish that WWF slash WWE retained Clarence Mason for the entirety of the company for every single law angle forever. I don't know what it is about him. I enjoy him. I think every single time he comes on, he, he gets to the point. He's just heel enough to be one of the bad guys, but also all of his points are kind of fair. So you're just like, well, crap, I guess he's right. I enjoy him. I think he's great. It, this, the whole segment got to be plus for me. I agree. I thought this was good from start to finish. You know, again, you're right. I, I am really hot on Jim Cornette as a manager. I think, again, this is another Jim Cornette kind of master class on how to do a manager promo. He lays it all out for us. He tells us everything. If you hadn't watched in your house, if this was your first night watching WWF and you have no idea what's going on, Cornette has told you everything you need to know. You are good to go. And you're right. Clarence Mason comes in and has and makes actually really good points. He's almost kind of shooting, right? This is why you're wrong. And obviously he's a heel and obviously he's twisting things to make Bulldog and Camp Cornette sound like they're in the right. I, I like the I like how it's kind of. It's kind of a gray area. It's kind of ambiguous. It's kind of like, well, he's not com he's not completely wrong. I thought it was handled really well. The Bulldog Marty Jannetty thing, it is what it is. I guess we're pushing Marty Jannetty. That's fine. Marty Jannetty clears, clears the ring. Whatever. After that, though, we have another match. We've got a tag team match. We've got the Smoking Guns, and we've got John Reckner and Phil Apollo. I guess some guys they found on the street somewhere. You don't, you don't remember this great tag team? I, I don't. And as we know, the Smoking Guns, I, I, as far as I can think, are WWF's only real tag team. Like that have matching gear and do moves together. I think they're the only ones. So we got to, anytime they want the guns to fight somebody, they got to pull someone off the street. So here we go. We got it. The match again, pretty straightforward. Guns defeat 
these two gentlemen in a two minute, 51 second match. Joseph, you got any thoughts about the match itself? My only note was good thing. We have plenty of tag teams. It gets a D. Yeah, it's it's another one where I, I think it's fine. I mean, I think the guns wrestle fairly well together, but it's yeah. just they don't have any real opponents. And it's yeah, how, to how show. could you possibly be invested in this match is the problem. It's getting old. I feel like it's getting old for me because, yeah, they don't have any real challengers. You know, this they're I'm not like, oh, they've got a, these guys got a real shot at, at beating the guns. They don't. I've never seen these guys before in my life. You know, it's just it's not exciting, which is a problem. And that's a and that's a problem for WWF's tag team division. After that, though, we see a clip of one, two, three kid attacking the guns after losing their their uh, tag team title shot in your house. We get a promo from the kid who apologizes for his temper tantrum, and then he wants a rematch. We also have Bret Hart, who doesn't care what the rules are at Survivor Series. He's winning. And next week, Bret Hart will team with Hakushi again. Why? What? But I thought Hakushi and Barry Horowitz were having a thing. I don't know. Anyways, he's taking on Jerry the King Lawler and Isaac Yankum. I think this promo from Bret Hart is incredibly boring. Bret is not the strongest on the mic. I do like, though, that he does put over Diesel. One thing that I do appreciate when Bret Hart cuts promos, usually most of the time, is that he will try to find a way to put over his opponent, especially if they're a face. He'll talk about how you know strong they are, how good they are, how many battles they've overcome. He's done it a number of times with different people. He even did it in In Your House talking about the potential of wrestling British Bulldog. He did a very similar thing. So for that, for that reason, I'm going to give the segment a C. It does move along the storyline, which I think is probably my most important thing, especially with the promo. And he puts over the competition and he's not seemingly being a jerk in any sort of way. This is a very delicate situation because you've got a face versus face match that's what you're gearing up towards and it's a very complicated one to pull off so you kind of have to talk about how your opponent is a very talented competitor i think he does fine yeah it's another very matter of fact bret hart promo not really anything more i can say about that i wish they would stop putting bret hart in these matches but I, we've already gone into that so we'll move on i mean the diesel bret hart match makes sense it's fine that's actually where bret should be right yes and- yes in a, in a shot for the title but this match next week god help us but it is what it is let's move on to our main event but first joseph we got some rec- replica title belts that you can order and if you call now you can get some pictures of either razor ramon or diesel very exciting we also got paul bearer we got a promo he promises that the undertaker is coming back but his face is too gruesome. We can't even see it. It's just too bad. You don't you don't want to see it. You can't see it. We're not showing it to you. It's not it's not it's not fit for prime time. More importantly, Joseph, Paul Bear is going to be on America online. Tell me about it. There's not much to go into, but man, AOL, what a flashback. Could you imagine talking to Paul Bear on America online? What a what a treat that would be. Imagine being someone who is a huge wrestling fan, but is just very young and just happens upon our podcast and having to find out what AOL was and then like doing a deep dive and understanding the whole concept of it. Yeah. For those of you who don't know America online, 
was the internet. I mean, that was, that's pretty much it. It was the internet when the internet first began. I think that was pretty much everybody had America online. It was the only way you got on the internet. And I can still hear the startup thing in my head. I sh- I'm sure you can too. It's so like ingrained in my memory when you, when you logged in the, <laughs> I, I will never unhear it. it. It's in there permanently. And then you'd be on and someone would answer the phone. Oh, the worst. Or you get a fax. Yeah. And cause, cause people got faxes back then. And yeah. And you just, and it would just start hearing it. Or I remember I'd be on the internet and my mom would be, my mom would pick up the phone and she'd be like, hello, hello, get off the internet. Scott, I have to make a call. You know, it's just like <laughs> and I could hear her through the internet. It's weird, man. But man, what a time to be alive in in the mid ni- the mid to late 1990s, which also, from what I understand, had some of the best sunglasses. That is but a I, fact. That but, is I a digress, fact. but I digress. Because next up, we have the main event, which I already promised you. But this is it, ladies and gentlemen. This is the main event. We got Razor Ramon. We got Owen Hart. It's for the WWF Intercontinental Championship. What happens? Well, Razor comes in swinging. He is giving Owen Hart a run for his money, but we can't have that. We cannot have that. Camp Cornette cannot lose. So Yokozuna, Yokozuna is here, or as Jerry Lawler says, here comes the wide load. And I say again, Fuck you, Jerry Lawler. <laughs> Razor gets Owen in the Razor's edge, but Yokozuna comes in to break it up. Razor Ramon defeats Owen Hart by disqualification to retain the title. It's a 10-minute, 16-second match. Tell me more, Joseph. At some point, if this gains enough audience members, someone is going to start calling us out on talking ill or speaking ill of Jerry the King Lawler. And I cannot wait to have that fight because I will go absolutely ham on the individual. It's just too far. It's just too far. Like, you know, again, maybe it's a hindsight kind of thing. Maybe Jerry doesn't know what we know that, but I mean, I think how can you not know? Yokozuna is horribly overweight. He's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It's affecting his health. He doesn't, he dies not shortly thereafter this, a year or two after this, he dies um, at a young age. I think of a heart attack or something, obviously probably weight health related. And it's just, let's not, let's just not, let's not call him wide load. Like, come on guys. There's, there's plenty of takes. I think that, that you and I have that many people won't agree with things like the karate fighters and just random things that are very, very childlike that we enjoy those. I I'd be happy to, to listen to someone come at me and say, Hey, I don't agree with you. And here's my reason why. And I think that's fine because obviously people have difference of opinions no no issues there would love to have those conversations and really understand other fans points of views on things this is one with jerry the lawler i'm just gonna keep going at him and i don't care it is what it is anyway well, i mean i just i guess he I, is i want to end that thought you know you can be a heel you can be a good heel i think bobby heenan is a good heel yes bobby heenan is not a bully Jerry the King Lawler is a bully, and I don't like bullies. I've never liked bullies. It gets to me. Go on. Let's talk about the match now. I think these two have great chemistry, Owen and, and Razor. This is not the first time we've seen them wrestle in the Monday Night Wars so far. Every single time, it's been fun. They do a great job together. Yokozuna, obviously, like you said, interferes, and Owen gets the DQ, which I kind of wish that didn't happen. I kind of wish it was a, a clean match, just because of how much fun these two 
like what a great performance they were putting on. I think that would have been fine to end out, but it does continue storylines. And so for that point, you know, purpose, you have to, I think I have to grade it pretty highly. I gave it a B minus. Obviously the kid comes in, he gets beat up immediately, which is kind of humorous and kind of goes along with the gimmick of like, he's just a kid, you know, and it, he does, he just gets leveled immediately. And then Ahmed Johnson saves the day and they're pushing Ahmed Johnson. I'm for it. I think you got to keep pushing him. I'd love to see what they do with him. I, we obviously kind of know, but if you're, if you're pretending that you're back in 95, I think this is great. I think Ahmed Johnson absolutely keep giving the opportunities and let's see what happens. It gets a B minus for me overall. The show in general gets a B minus for me. I think it was a very strong show for WWF. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you mentioned, you know, one, two, three kid runs in, uh, but almost immediately gets a leg drop from Yokozuna. Ahmed Johnson comes in and he does better. He he slams Yokozuna and the crowd goes wild. They love that. Uh, you know, and then and then we end the and then we end the night with uh British Bulldog. He he shows up and we got we got a stare down between Bulldog and Ahmed Johnson. And honestly, I think that's a hot match. I like I like that card. I like those two dudes going at it. I think I think the night ended really well. That's it for it, but not it for us. How do we think the night went, Joseph? Who won? Who lost October 30th in the Monday Night Wars? I personally think that Raw takes it here. I think Raw is much better top to bottom. I think it's more interesting. I think the storylines get progressed in a better note. There's there is quite a few filler matches, unfortunately, some squash matches that I kind of wish weren't there. Uh, most notably the tag team match and Marty Jannetty's match. But I think front to end, I enjoyed watching this. It wasn't, I, I didn't want to kind of shield my eyes and go, why am I doing this? And, and Nitro just had a really, really weak week, basically. And unfortunately they're going to have some very fun things coming up. So it is what it is. We I've, I've given Nitro a lot of wins. I think this one goes to raw. This might be the first week that I give it to Raw. I thought it was so much better. Comparable, I guess. But I honestly, I think it was a lot better. I enjoyed Raw much more than I enjoyed Nitro. You know, I'm a sucker for themes. I love that they really leaned into Halloween. I love that they did all of that. I thought the matches, you know, even if there was some squash matches, I thought the matches overall were all pretty good. They were all well wrestled. Like, I can't complain about that. Yeah, some of them don't advance storylines. But I mean, they kind of do. I mean, even the Marty Jannetty squash match, they're pushing Marty Jannetty. So it's pushing Marty Jannetty. That's the story, right? And I just I thought overall it was very good. I really have no complaints. But what do the fans think, Joseph? What was the Nielsen for Raw? The Nielsen for Raw this week was 2.1. So I think that's still going down, unfortunately but that kind of is what it is. Yeah, I actually have the chart in front of me right now. Yes, it is down uh, 0.1 points. So not a huge drop, but it is a drop. But WCW went down too. It's a 2.3. So it won the night, but it's down from his 2.6 the week prior. We're getting closer together again. I don't think that WCW deserved to win tonight. Maybe people are just wanting to see the aftermath of Halloween Havoc, wanting to know if Hogan was dead. I don't know. Maybe the card, I guess maybe the card was better. I don't really think it was. WCW won the night, even though you and I very strongly disagree. Well, I think, you know, we're looking at this from just a standard metric and metrics don't really tell the entire story. If you're looking at them the way that we are, you have to think about what's been going on to this point. WCW has been on a high leading up to a very disastrous pay-per-view of Halloween Havoc. So you see that 
if you look at their numbers, they're staying high up until that pay-per-view and then they drop. Whereas Raw has been doing very poorly, then had a disastrous pay-per-view of their own and in your house and is continuing that downward trend. So I think fans haven't really been able to flip over yet. I mean, you know, we now have the ability to record things. There, there's another one that kids are going to look up. Look up AOL and the fact that you couldn't record multiple programs. So you couldn't just decide, hey, I'm going to watch this instead. You kind of had to go with where the hot hand was, I feel like. And I think the hot hand at this time is with WCW. And WWF, even though it has a better program this night, doesn't have the hot hand. You might be right. But that's it. That's the close. Thank you all for joining us for another night of the Monday Night Wars. I'm Scott. That's Joseph. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, guys. Hey, everybody, it's Joseph. Did you like this podcast? Well, we hope that you did, and also that you join us every Monday for new episodes. You can listen to us on Spotify, and soon we'll explore other platforms to bring you episodes of the Monday Night Wars. Did you listen to this podcast and think, mm, pretty sure they're wrong about that? Well, let us know. You can email us at mnwpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's mnwpodcast at gmail.com. And correct anything we messed up. Don't worry, you won't bruise our egos. You can also give us suggestions, follow the show, or even just reach out to us on the following platforms. On Twitter, you can reach us at M-O-N Night Wars Pod. Again, M-O-N Night Wars Pod. And on Instagram and Facebook, you can reach us at Monday Night Wars Podcast. And finally, if you feel like supporting this podcast and also getting bonus content, you can follow us on Patreon at Monday Night Wars Podcast. For the low price of $2 a month, you get every episode of the Monday Night Wars and also every breakdown of every WCW and WWF pay-per-view during this era with more content to come. Again, and one last time, thank you so much for taking the time to tune in. We'll see you next Monday back here on the Monday Night Wars podcast.